Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. So we're we're getting ready to, uh, you know, record the show, get in the studio and everything, or walking upstairs. And uh, we pass by a box of clothes that I have that have been on my landing for just a short while, like three or four months, as I've been like trying to consolidate and th- like get rid of clothes and donate whatever. And um, my waist size has changed and I have a bunch of clothes that I've been hanging on to from like my early professional years where the waist size was smaller and I've long since given it up. I'm like, I'm going to work uncomfortable wearing these. I know Brad is like in way better shape than Evan and I. He's, this dude's annoying. He's no body fat. I rode the bike yesterday for half an hour. <laughs> Whoa, 30 minutes. Yeah. What are you doing a week's worth of work for? I don't know. And I'm I s- not even sore today. <laughs> <laughs> and I say to Brad, and I was like, Brad, um, what size waist are you? Because I have these pants and they're a 31 waist. And I just, I can't lie to myself. I'm not wearing these anymore. And Brad goes, in front of me at Evan, he goes, uh, 31 it's a bit big, but I can see. I thought that was sarcasm. <laughs> and I turned to Evan and I was like, I can't believe I've ever made the mistake of liking this dude at any point in my life. Up. I don't think I've been, a, like I said, I don't think I've, I don't even know if I was ever that size when I started having to get like waist measurements, you know? I wasn't a dick about it. <laughs> that's, that's Oh, the I'm not saying, not taking it like that. I'm saying that's, that is like crazy that a grown ass man has a 29 inch waist. <laughs> it's worse that you weren't a dick about it. Oh, okay. That's why I thought it was sarcasm. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I was having a well, – I wasn't – no, I wasn't even having a good day. <laughs> you know, you were having an awful day. We <laughs> I, woke, I woke up with tinnitus. What's that about? What is any of this? So you just – you know, you, you drove the nail in. Don't make the noise. It was a firmware update. <laughs> yeah. yeah, honestly. We were going to – I was joking around with Ryan before the episode that I was just going to make that tinnitus like – noise like just randomly throughout the episode because when he's editing it then he'd have no idea if it was actually in the episode or if it was just in his head <laughs> the worst part of it is i think that would be effective anyhow folks uh very obviously we are near the end of the red wing season here based on how we started this episode welcome to the winged wheel podcast here to talk to you about the detroit red wings and the incoming end i'm one of your hosts ryan hannah i'm brad crisco and i'm evan uh, on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we'll be talking about the Detroit Red Wings and their most recent game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, where nothing notable in terms of hockey history happened, as well as uh, their upcoming final game of the season against the New Jersey Devil. <laughs> New Jersey Devils, but I guess there's only maybe one effective devil on the ice at a time right now. Dougie Hamilton and like whatever their AHL team is. Yeah. Um, We'll be talking about a couple different storylines on the Red Wings. The NHL playoff race update is getting uh, coming to a conclusion and getting spicier. Vegas. Oh. Smell you later. Uh, and then we'll be doing a prospect profile that people have been asking about for some time. And one that I think we might be revisiting more than once uh, before getting into some NHL news. And then overtime. We'll see where we land with that. Before that, uh, folks, it's almost May 1st, which means it is almost time for the Jamie Daniels Foundation Comedy Night of Hope. If you don't have your ticket yet and you want to go, uh, I have it on good authority that tickets are running out. So get them fast. Go to jamiedanielsfoundation.org uh, to get your tickets and find out more. 
Uh, they're as low as 50 bucks and include a meal depending on uh, lunch or dinner, depending on which show you go to. The purchase of your ticket goes directly to support a new adolescent substance abuse treatment center that cares for youth regardless of insurance coverage or ability to self-pay. That's a vital lifeline for youth and families in Southeast Michigan. The show features three headliner comedians with Craig Shoemaker, Ian Bag, and Mike Young, and is sponsored by Priority Waste and Cranks Catering. On the note of supporting the Jamie Daniels Foundation, one game left means one more game until the 2021-2022 Wings Money on the Board uh, season pledges wrap up, and then we will be doing a call-out for uh, everyone to make their donations. Prizes will be sent out uh, shortly thereafter, and let's see if we can hit that $20,000 mark for the Jamie Daniels Foundation. We're very, very close. We're about 4000 away, so we're very optimistic that we'll be able to pass that wingwheelpodcast.com slash blog and then go to the uh, Wings Money on the Board post to find out more. All right. The Red Wings played the Maple Leafs. And before the game, the Detroit Red Wings, as they do, um, tweeted out the lines. (laughs) And I mean, the lines are what they are at this point in time of the year, right? Like no Larkin. It was in Canada, so no Bertuzzi. Um, you have Kyle Criscuolo, I believe, on the third line. The best part about that was, though, of all everything that the the the, the depth chart showed, the first line was Joe Valeno and Lucas Raymond only. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I did laugh at that. I'm like, yeah, there's nobody even worthy of having their name there. <laughs> They're just running the seven. They ran seventy, so it was actually uh, Elson who came up. Um, signed for two games uh, at the end of the year. And then uh, Chris Cole was on the fourth line, Elson on the third, but they ran 70. They ran Neil Levy as a seven. And then uh, Ned and Helberg were in net. And it was, yeah, just Valeno and Raymond on the first line. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is end of season hockey, baby. The biggest indication that this was end of season hockey is at the end of the game, after the Red Wings played a largely terrible game as expected. And as an opponent hit some sort of career first or milestone, um, I sat back, reflected on the game and went, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it'd be. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. I'm like, we lost three, nothing showed but zero goals. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, zero goals. Again, all the things that I previously met previously mentioned and just went, I felt like that was going to be a lot worse. I'll take it. You're not embarrassed. Yeah. That's unfortunately an improvement. <laughs> yeah. Most Sider did something cool. Um, Ned made a bunch of saves. And they lost. That was the <laughs> Lucas Raymond stole the puck. Oh, the, yeah, the glove save. Forgot about that. And uh, Jack Campbell made it look like a routine glove save, which I thought was rude. Actually, he didn't need to make it look that casual. Um, but yeah, it was essentially through two periods, only one goal. It was Austin Matthews who scored the first goal. So you know, is what it is. But through two periods, I was like, that's actually a win. Knowing how that the last game in Toronto went, like that's actually a win. Yeah, and it. It's funny because like I, I was watching the game, uh, but I wasn't live tweeting it because I was flipping back and forth between um, another game. And um, I remember when Matthew scored his 60th and just where every Red Wing happened to be on the ice when he saw it. I had that moment. I'm like, if I had any desire to make a meme, this was the perfect still image of pointing at the Red Wings defense and then just circling Austin Matthews and going the most dangerous goal scorer on the planet as he is in the slot with nobody within like 10 feet of him. Yeah. <laughs> just like the Red Wings didn't challenge for offside. They're a generous team. It's can't challenge that one. No. Hey, hey, Otto's only one point back. 
What do you mean? The Senators? Yeah. Yeah, they 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 have a better points percentage in the wings now thanks to that. Oh, oh, so you're saying yeah, you don't challenge that? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. we're <laughs> the, the draft stock has improved in the last few days. I don't know, man. Watching that game, I don't think Detroit was at any threat to score any point. <laughs> we're talking about the Red Wings not being bad. The storyline of the game is Nedeljkovic should I hope did not pay for a single uh, meal or drink that night. Um, I'm sure the boys went out in Toronto. Um, it was the Maple Leafs. The 115-point Toronto Maple Leafs with a 60-goal scorer and a near – Marner is at 97 points. He might hit 100 maybe depending on how the last game of the season goes against the Red Wings who are running. Turner Elson who just made – who's making 25 grand or 15 grand to play in two games over the last four days. And uh, Chris Cuolo on the fourth line like – and no first-line center or first-line winger opposite Raymond. These are – they're practically in two different leagues. It's funny because all of that and t- Toronto's opponent now, in all likelihood, is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Who have had their no- number all year. Didn't Tampa they, has had their number. Yeah, they just dropped an eight bomb on them. Yeah. They made the Leafs look like the Red Wings. I mean, hey, the Red Wings lost by less. <laughs> it was only 10-7 with Detroit. Buddy, the Red Wings beat the Lightning last week. <sighs> The Lightning are a weird team this year. They're very much a team that it just screams, we've played two full playoffs in a row, and now we're about to make a long run on the third, maybe. Yeah. It's the name of the game, honestly. Um, So that was Detroit. They lost. Let's talk about it. Austin Matthews, 60 goals in, in not a full season. Like He missed time at the start of the year due to his wrist surgery. Which is incredible. Uh, my favorite part of that feat was uh, that morning I was going to make the joke on Twitter that, oh, a player's near, nearing a significant milestone against the Red Wings. Well, you can write that in in pen. But then I went on Twitter and saw like 100 people making the same joke. So I'm like, okay, everybody gets Nothing's it. Nothing's original. Anymore. It's fine. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, it's out there. In 73 games, he put up 60 goals. And to start the game, like they were feeding him. Like they were they were forcing it. And you know what? If this was the Red Wings, I'd want them doing the same thing. Maybe as a bonus. <laughs> yeah. Easy to take the boys out. Imagine having the balls to write a 60-goal bonus in your contract. Good for you. I hope like, you hit it. Yeah, it's like one of those things they do to just, just to kind of like, yeah, if you get 60 goals, like, yeah, don't know if that'll ever happen. And you're like, oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> it's like in fantasy football where if your kicker kicks uh, breaks the NFL record for longest kick, you automatically win the week. It's like, yeah, fine, whatever. It'll never happen except for when it does. And it's against me. <laughs> <laughs> um, someone said they're very obviously feeding Austin Matthews. Why not just like defend against that? And I'm like, you can't. With who? With who? Did you see the same lineup we saw? With who? Every team tries to defend him. That's why. Yeah. And he still has 60 goals. Like, you can't. Uh, Leafs fans trash talking the wings. The wings look terrible out there. Okay. Welcome. Here we are. This is game 81, round, folks. <laughs> It's game 81. Look at the shape of this team. I want you to look at that lineup and tell me that you think Red Wings fans are expecting any different than this. You think Toronto fans know anybody on the Red Wings at all at any point in the year? Uh, yes, Mo Sider, because he'll be the reason. Because he's the Calder runner up. Ned had a good game. Uh, Raymond did some stuff. Sider, I think, had a good game. Rasmussen has been, you know, continuing to be a, a delight in a lot of ways on the ice. And that's all you can expect from that game. That's it. It's end of the season. We're just again, we're just coasting, we're vibing, we're waiting for the end of the season. And the I cannot be hurt. No. Yeah. 
You what, cannot what, hurt me at this point. Well, this, I believe the saying is you can't kill what's already dead. Yes. I'm not dead. I just don't care anymore. <laughs> it's over. Good for you. I feel dead. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, that's that's the Red Wings. Congrats to, to Austin Matthews. It was a wicked shot that he scored on too. Ned wasn't making it easy. Oh, no. But you give, you know, the greatest goal scorer on the planet currently that much time from that area of the ice. It's going in the net 100% of the time. Shooting yeah. percentages be damned. So uh, I'm assuming it will end up being the Lightning um, in all likelihood unless they lose out and Boston wins out. But Godspeed Toronto against Tampa or not. I don't really care. I'll have fun watching one way or another. The most boring jersey matchup in hockey history. So what Detroit has to look forward to is one more game, the last game of the season, game 82 on Friday night against the New Jersey Devils. Um, And here's where Detroit is at in the overall standings. They're 25th overall, and they could drop as low as 26th with Ottawa right behind him. Hold on. You need to talk about this in the context that matters. What's the reverse standings? They are currently 8th in draft lottery standings. There we go. And Ottawa is 7th. So Ottawa could uh, pass Detroit. Here's what needs to happen. Detroit has one game left. If they lose outright and they just lose in regulation, all they need to happen is for Ottawa to get one point in their final in either of their final two games against Florida and Philadelphia. I like the odds in one of those. If Detroit loses an overtime or shootout, they need Ottawa to get two points. Um, as well as, and they can't jump up and Detroit can't jump up and pass Buffalo with that. Um, oh, Hey, look, Anaheim won. Never mind. I was going to talk about what Anaheim needs to do, but, uh, Anaheim got a win. And so they are now out of reach. If Detroit gets a win, they get, go up to 74 points. That means they need Buffalo to get just one point in one of their final two games. And they need Ottawa to get three points across their final two games, uh, for Detroit to finish 26 or with seventh best odds and that's like 0.5 of a percent in improvement yeah and then the way the wings will move up in the draft but then buffalo will win the draft that's just how it's gonna go i i don't care about where they finish for draft lottery odds that one spot could just get them some positional preference on their draft if they have two guys on their list a winger and a center at that point in the draft Having Ottawa lap them means they might end up with the center instead. So yeah. that I do not care about the lottery odds at all. Let me be clear about that. It's just that one, having that one less team in front of you might be the difference between getting the guy you want and, you know, being pretty disappointed. But, and remember, we're not cheering against Detroit. We're cheering for Ottawa and Buffalo these last couple of games. So let Detroit win the game. Let's just pray Ottawa and Buffalo win out. Like, Throw on, throw on our biggest uh, sabers and hen- sends hats and uh, hope for the best. It's also Pierre Torian doing the draft for the Senators, so God knows whoever Detroit wants will still be there. So, again, to recap, Detroit's current draft position is 8th. They can jump as high as 7th, and they could drop as low as ninth, depending on how Ottawa and Buffalo do. So what's 7th versus ninth in terms of percentage? First overall percentages, Ottawa is current at 7th is 6.5. Detroit at 8th is six percent and buffalo is five for second overall win percentages ottawa is 6.9 nice Nice. uh detroit is at 6.4 and buffalo is at 5.4 so you're looking at a percent and a half difference between seventh and ninth and like i said the wings would move up in percentage and then still lose to the spot that they just overtook yeah if i was if there was a if anduil had a betting option for what's going to happen i would bet 
Detroit is going to fall behind Ottawa in the standings and then Ottawa wins the draft lottery. Yeah, just like I can feel it in my bones. Like it's not enough for us to be hurt anymore. It's that they have to make it comical in how we hurt at this point. Someone was like, what do they need to do to finish six? I'm like, it's actually impossible for Detroit to draft sixth. War crime, maybe. Like, I don't know what they could do. It's not like which team is getting busted for some combine <laughs> flaws. <laughs> so, like, we're going to find out like Seattle forfeited their pick. Oh, God. <laughs> just forces, forces of nature. Gary Bettman's had enough. He just folds the Arizona Coyotes next week. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're not even replacing them. Just see you later. Yeah. We'll do this again. I don't Smell know. Smell you. We'll, we'll take that $650 million expansion fee again. Anyhow, that's uh, that's the draft lottery standings. Uh, we didn't – I don't know if we gave this update. Zadina has been out and will be out oh, the rest of the year. One more game. But uh, he has appendic- or had appendicitis, obviously corrected now. Does not continue to have it. But um, that's why Zadina hasn't been playing. Uh, I think Giovanni Smith also has something that's been undisclosed that's kept him out for a long time. Some people ask me about him. Helberg. Why? Why not start him? Maybe I, they will tomorrow. There's a game tomorrow, Friday. Friday. Yeah, I guess maybe they start him Friday, but like. So this got me thinking. Legitimately, I, I kind of said it as a joke, but why? What was the purpose of this? You signed a guy, paid him money with two healthy goalies, did not assign him to the AHL where we thought he might go because uh, Pickard was injured at the time, might still be, I can't remember. Um, they they literally just they've given him money for nothing to this point unless there is something in the works that they've got a wink wink nudge nudge contract for next year could be. but but at that point this still doesn't make sense to me like you could have just signed him in the off season if you planned on keeping him in Detroit he doesn't have to go through waivers or anything like that like i don't understand i'm don't get me wrong i Magnus Helberg is not the make or break of this team this year or next. No, I mean, he's probably going to lose whatever start he's in based on the yeah. team that he's playing. Yeah, him. and he's probably not very good. We went over this when we signed him. So, like, if nothing happens, it's not the end of the world. But still, I just, I can't make any sense of it. Because even if they play him on Friday, well, we're not, nobody's going to sit here and form opinions on how good he is or isn't over one game. Yeah, you know, there has to be some kind of thing. First of all, when when teams make depth signings, and especially guys who are at the third string or maybe might move to the minors or maybe like they're playing on bad teams in a depth role, that's a lot lower of an impact than like Tampa Bay looking for a second line winger, right? Practice means something. They're going to look at how this guy doesn't practice. They're going to look like look at how he works through training camp or, or whatever camp he's invited to. They They get a sense of who he is from that as well. But yeah, just in terms of games, game time scenarios here, the rest of the team is beleaguered, beat up. They're not even, they haven't practiced since like 2019 at this point. Like, honestly, when was their last practice? Like February, March? <laughs> it's been a while. The, and they've had a run of games where it's like they're playing every other night. It's not like this team has a lot to play for. And it's not like they're going at 110% to, to the end of the season. Why not just start them and see what you have? I, I can't even begin to know what. Is just like why don't they just shut down Ned? Like you've had say like you know you've had a good year. You can travel with the team or go yeah go to Cabo or something like 
Why don't they just do that? We're sorry. Uh, the private jet is on the tarmac. Go wherever you'd like. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. Like, again, like you said, it doesn't matter. This guy's not going to come, like, in all likelihood, not going to come in and be a Vezina Trophy Canada. He's not going to take the Ned, the Ned, the net from Ned next year. But, you know, it would be nice to see what he's got. Some people are like, Ned played like that against Toronto. Ned at this point is playing so hot like he can steal games. Why do that against like a New Jersey on Friday, for example? I was like, yeah, good point. I don't I I have to imagine it's Hellberg on Friday, right? Yeah, because like best worst case scenario is Hellberg goes out there, throws up like a 30 save shutout, and he's got a bit of confidence rolling into next year. Like, yeah, I I belong at this level. Sign me. I'm gonna play for you and I'm gonna play well. Like it, little things like that do boost confidence. Like Nadelkovic getting that shutout was it last week or the week before, and then having the huge game against Toronto despite the loss. Like these are these are going to be his most recent memories carrying into the offseason. Like, and it helps. And that helps every player. Like you have a couple hot games going into Christmas break or something like that. You sit with that for a week or two. You're like, oh yeah, I'm on cloud nine right now. I just came off like four points in two games or whatever. And then you walk back into the arena the first game back, like <clears throat> This is my rink now. Like, it sounds dumb, but that's how hockey players feel. Goalie, player, whoever. So, yeah, you got to get him into at least one game just on the off chance that, hey, you, you give him a little bit of a confidence boost going into next season. Nadelkovich just got his. Grice is probably done with the Red Wings, so who the hell cares? Like, no offense to Thomas, I'm, but, like, it's, he's, he's irrelevant now. Like, if you're dressing two goalies on Friday, he's not one of them. Like, yeah, it's... It's it's all confusing to me. This is end of a long season discourse right here. Like that. Yeah. yeah. Hi, our third string <laughs> European free agent who's 31 years old with four NHL games experience. That's this is a five minute conversation. <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs fans talking about Austin Matthews hitting 60. And if their first first round opponent's gonna be Boston or the two time repeat repeat Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning, Red Wings fans. I wish Magnus Helberg could get a game in. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, what line is Kyle Crisqualo playing on? Turner Ellison, is he making 15000 or 25000 <laughs> We're almost there. Um, Moritz Sider is off to play for Team Germany and Alex Ndelkovic uh, off to play for Team USA at the IIHF World Championship. Ever since like this whole, every time there's like a World Championship versus like proposed World Cup of Hockey revival again, I'm just like, I constantly have to check for which one is what. I keep my Venn diagram close at hand. Yeah. Uh, and that is happening uh, in May. So mid-May towards the uh, end of May. So Sign me up. Yeah. Just go over there and play some quote-unquote meaningless hockey with everyone in one little city. Ha. Oh. Sign yeah. me up. It's fun as hell. Not me, because I'm not. I can't drink anymore. But no, somebody can. <laughs> you had your you had your one weekend a couple. I'm weekends retired. Ago. Yeah, a couple weekends ago it was like four days ago. Did I say a couple weekends ago? Yeah. Wow, the passage of time, huh? Yeah. <laughs> What's that all about? Yeah, it's I, I. It's been four or five days, and Evan and I are probably both still mildly hungover. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. Brad's favorite part before we uh, jump to. I NHL will Live. say while we were watching the Red Wings game last night, I hit tank for or hit the sim four times. Yeah. The Red Wings won one. Okay. The other three were horrible, horrible <laughs> outcomes, but 
One of four was not bad. Ignore the stats. Just go with Evan's vibes. Detroit has a 25% chance of winning the lottery. According to my logic, yeah. my my truth, yes. Your mileage may vary. All right. We're going to simulate the draft lottery uh, with my logic and my truth. Detroit with eighth best odds as of right now. Oh, Evan wills it into existence. <laughs> and Detroit wins the second spot, moves up uh, eight spots, drafting behind Montreal, and they win the Logan so Cooley. So will Logan Cooley be the first line or second line center? Second line center. Next year, second, uh, <laughs> three, four years, first. Look at Is that, Is he folks. old enough to win the Calder? Old enough? Oh. No, he's uh, young by roughly seven years. <laughs> I was actually really annoyed that Michael Bunting was out hurt last night because I'm like, these jokes feel cheap. He's invisible out there. Yeah, it's like, and and we've seen what happens around Mo Sider discourse. He would have clocked him at least once that game. Absolutely, and we were robbed of that. It was actually quite selfish. Yeah, I still remember his first rookie tournament where Kirby Doc was pissing him off, and Mo Sider dropped just, him like three times. Just leveled him, <laughs> derailed that man's career before it got started. All right, well, that's the Winged Wheel Podcast dealing you some false hope in the form of the Detroit Red Wings winning second overall and. Hey, if you want a bit of negativity in there, Shane Wright still stays in the division. Oh, that's right. Well, oh, who got who actually won Montreal? That's Montreal, yeah. Yeah, you know they'll screw that up, though. Probably. So, I actually assume... I'm just saying Logan Cooley because center and top rank center. Is anyone else going Slavkovsky Slavkov- here? Okay, this, very rarely will I say you have to take a player solely because of position, but if you look at the Red Wings depth chart, they have to take a center if they're picking second. So, I'm a big fan of Slavkovsky, but no. So if you're another team that's not the Red Wings and you have like two good centers, you could reasonably look outside of Cooley and you might yeah. justify it. Yeah. I still think teams will load up on centers. It, on centers, yeah. They'll go best player. And if it happens that they end up with like six amazing pros- prospect centers, they're okay with that. Yeah. They'll trade one. Worst problems to have for sure. Yeah. yeah. If the Red Wings are picking second and someone wants to play devil's advocate with me and not picking Logan Cooley, I will absolutely listen to sound arguments for Slavkovsky, Juracek, whoever. But the only one I'm actually going to listen to would be Savoy because he's got a chance to play center. <laughs> okay. Red Wings pick second overall. Take Matthew Savoy. How do you react? I'd be, I'd be happy. Yeah. I'm a big Matthew Savoy fan. <laughs> He's a right now. He's Cooley a lot more than him. <laughs> no, I I wouldn't say a lot more, but I do like Logan Cooley more. But they're both they're two and three for me right now. So oh, not, that's interesting. It's not like they're reaching for my like twelfth ranked guy. Like if they pick Connor Geeky, I might turn off the TV. But <laughs> even after even after the whole cider saga, no, no, I'll be very stone faced. I just on on our camera what people can see, <laughs> but just know that. What I'm watching behind the camera is now no longer there. <laughs> yeah, I'm removing before the draft. I'm removing sharp we, objects. We've seen Geeky play with our own eyes. We did not see Moritz Sider play with our own eyes against the some of the yeah. top players of their age. Yeah, we saw in person some of those red flags that go flying. The Moritz Sider draft saga was a big, long Ashton Kutcher punked project. And he, he got the reactions out of everyone. We've all seen the ice hockey. He got the reactions out of Moritz Sider. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Good yeah, on that, you, That's Ashton. our greatest defense. Oh, you thought we were surprised. Ask Mo. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Uh, all right, uh, we're going to jump into NHL news here. But before we do that, I first want to call out that this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, sponsor that gives hockey fans what we really need, especially at this late point in the season, even more excitement in the game. There's so many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. They're simple to use with great odds on different betting markets, giving you more action every game day. There are also tons of fun with unique bet types like same game parlay and exclusive promos on the biggest events. And when you win, you get your winnings back to you safely in as little as 24 hours. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get up to $1,000 back in site credit. What we want you to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with that bet and be sure to sign up sign up with promo code WWP so they, so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-GAMBLER.net, West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. The NHL playoff race rages on and holy hell is the Vegas collapse colossal. I'm not, we were talking about this in the group chat today. I am not a Jack Eichel hater. I have no, you know, personal vendetta against him. I understand that Buffalo Sabres fans will, and I understand a lot of hockey fans won't like how he handled his departure from Buffalo. And I think that's all perfectly fair, but you cannot deny the absolute drama the top tier content coming out of Jack Eichel leaving Buffalo, going to Vegas, doing very little to support them in like five or six key games to get into the playoffs. And they are on the outs right now. Everything in Vegas right now is a dumpster fire of how to not run your team in a stressful situation. They did this to themselves. I know they've had injuries and that plays a huge part in it because they have had extremely horrible luck with that this year. But yeah, a lot of baffling coaching decisions, a lot of infighting, a lot of just fairly uninspired playing key situations. Like in that, uh, what game was it? Uh, San Jose, where they had a p- overtime power play, did nothing with it, missed the net a lot. Yeah, um, tied late with Dallas, didn't pull the goalie despite knowing the implications of Dallas getting a point out of that. Mm-hmm. Like. Um, the entire organization spending a whole week just trying to absolutely sewer Robin Leonard, um, pull them after one goal against in a game, uh, despite him playing apparently very injured. Uh, yeah, it Vegas very in like record time went from being the best, most fun story into the NHL into no, this is the New York Yankees and they must die. They have something like a 3% chance of making the playoffs now. They're sitting with two games left each, Vegas behind Dallas, four points back. They need Dallas to lose in regulation against um, tonight, Arizona, and they're already up one nothing at the time of recording. <laughs> By the time you're listening to, to this, it will likely be moot point. But they need Dallas to lose out and they need to win out. And from what we've seen with their multitude of opportunities to capitalize on slip-ups, from LA, from Dallas, maybe for a hot secondary thought in Nashville, they just have done nothing. 
They lost to New Jersey last week and held a 4-2 lead against San Jose with just over two minutes left in a game and lost both those games. Where they let the tying goal go in with 0.8 seconds left or something like that against a team that was playing for nothing. Oh, they were playing for something. <laughs> oh, they were. Yeah, they. this could be a Not great for the ref. Stanley Cup. No. <laughs> for the, as close as they could get. Yeah. It's disappointing that these are two teams going in the wrong direction because that could be a real fun rivalry for a long time. Honestly, credit to them. Credit to the Sharks for talking their shit and backing it up. I think that's great. We talked about this last episode, I think, but that's the kind of hockey that makes late season fun. Like, think of how much Sharks fans love that. Oh, yeah. That's the best. If if the Red Wings could stop the Leafs from making the playoffs, I'm I'm watching that game. I'm with, going to that with, game. Uh, yeah. With, I am very much interested in that game. So... I'd buy a Kyle Chris Cuolo jersey just to wear to the game. 100%. Imagine that even imagine the Red Wings had the opportunity to force Toronto to have to play like a way harder matchup. Like let's say they're they play Florida. Yeah. It was either going to be like a beat up Washington or Florida and they needed to beat Detroit to play Washington and Detroit got the win and, and forced them to play oh, for yeah. it. That's because you know that just oh, the, how that would get oh, to the opposing fans. It's That's so nice. That's sustenance. <laughs> So I don't that, even care if my team wins. It's that I hope yours <laughs> loses. It's, it's the kind of petty bullshit that it, you need to live off that when your team is this bad. Uh, there's two ways to look at it. If others, um, not only should I succeed, others should fail. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm going down, you're coming with me. 100%. If you're taking me out, we're going down together. Oh, yeah. So that's the last of the playoff race. That's Dallas and Vegas. Dallas is the only team who hasn't technically clinched. And right now, I mean, again, at the time of the recording, there's seven minutes left in that game with Arizona, uh, in the first period in that game with Arizona, and they're already up one nothing. Arizona needs to beat them in regulation for Vegas to stay alive after tonight. And, you know, Vegas needs to do the thing, and, and they're just not doing it. Is like, it bad for hockey that Vegas is failing, though? No, you know what? I don't buy all that. In what sense, though? It's not bad for hockey at large. Is it bad for hockey in Vegas? Yeah, sure. New market, you want them to make it as long as possible. But they've also been, they've had riches. Like they've been spoiled in terms of what they've been able to experience as a fan base. Well, that's kind of my point. Vegas is the one team in the NHL that embraces the true, we're all in, maximum chaos, make every trade, give us every free agent. Well, this it, is chaos too. Yeah, it is. And it's a fun storyline, but watching Vegas, you know, trade Nick Suzuki for Matt, Max Pacioretty, give Alex Petrangelo a billion dollars, go all in and trade for Jack Eichel. Like these are things we want to see teams doing. This is great content. This is fun. This is hopefully making more teams competitive by saying going for it. But Vegas doing all that and then failing is kind of going to push every other team in the league to be go, yeah, maybe that's not the way. We're going to go back to spending three months trying to trade for Cody Egan. I, <laughs> oh, God, the Ken Holland era. Um, I understand what you're saying. Here's why I think teams who are ever going to do that aren't scared by this. First of all, Vegas had atrocious, atrocious injuries this year. Like, gross. And I'm talking about Jack Eichel not showing up. The guy is coming off of a long time not playing hockey a long time not playing hockey, healthy even, and he's still getting back into form. Yeah, he had a part of his spine replaced. That's not <laughs> the easiest injury to come back from. I don't even want to call myself a Jack Eichel believer. You have to know that he's a phenomenal player and on his game, let's see if he can regain his form, one of the best on the planet. 
Also, we're in an unprecedented era in human history, especially in terms of what, you know, COVID has done to the, the salary cap in the NHL. So Vegas, someone who buys into Vegas' system, like let's say you're talking to someone from Vegas's administration, they're going to look at you and say, okay, if the salary cap had gone up how much, however much it was supposed to be, we wouldn't have been in this situation. Oh no! I mean, oh. yeah, you're not gonna find pity for me, but oh, no, yeah, to manage the cap, and you didn't think it would go down. <laughs> oh, suck my balls! <laughs> Don't God. get me wrong. This is also great content. It's great content. Like it's a watching the evil empire go down is fun as hell. But like I said, I'm just curious to see if this is gonna make other gems get a little more gun shy about it. I think I honestly think. Um, Columbus would have been more of a cautionary tale. But everybody knew what Columbus was doing that year. And to be fair, Columbus, that was the year they swept Tampa. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> Maybe we are good. <laughs> yeah. Which, in a weird domino effect, is like now Steven Stamkos is a 100-point score anyways. I, I, I think very many teams aren't likely to do this. We're... I mean, the team that we cover has a GM who's likely not going to do this until it's the exact right moment because he's the the one person who has the patience for all this. Meanwhile, us meatheads are banging our heads off the table. Like, it's not an exceptionally common thing in the NHL as is. So, like, the thought of, is this going to scare GMs away? I don't know. Maybe. Or I don't think we're going to see a lot anyways. All right. So, should we just start the conversation now of, like, five months out? Uh, is a fourth too much to ask for Mark Stahl? <laughs> That's that's where we're at. Uh, the NHL. Sucks. Not literally that, you know, with, with free agency and whatnot. But this is why I love the NBA. Oh, this uh, one player looks mildly irritated. All right. Seven player franchise players going either way. Got, we'll NBA whip this up is, in an hour. It's not for me. I don't like the NBA way. It is the sickest league. It really is. Like in the, the best and worst ways. I, out of the four major North American sports, basketball is a distant number four for me. And look at all this content from just the last like two months. I don't see. I don't like. <laughs> I don't like even just in terms of the way their contracts work. I do think the NHL should be doing things to make things a little less restrictive. It's you it's want your player vanilla, pay yeah. like antique roadshow vibe. <laughs> antique roadshow. <laughs> Is painfully accurate in terms of the vibe, the NHL, yeah. and the way it's constructed at times. I'm an old head at, at points where I'm, I will fight for the salary cap. I'm, I've yet to have my mind changed on that one. But there are, like, yeah, I think the team control extends too long into a player's career. I think, oh uh, yeah, I think offer sheets are way too restrictive and prohibitive. Yeah, like, what's the compensation for an offer sheet? And and the player has, ultimately has to sign it, right? Like, yeah. An offer sheet could be f- for the players. Like if the team they're on isn't giving them the money they want or think they deserve, here comes the Detroit Red Wings and they think Martin Nikash is worth $9 million and they really handcuff all- Carolina. I mean, there'll be a lot of memes. The meme economy will benefit from oh. this. But why should the player not wa- benefit from this? Right. Hey, you're going to make a lot of friends with the uh, agents. Some of the agents listening to this are like, I like that Evan Lobsinger guy. He says a lot of good stuff. Lobsinger.com. <laughs> yeah, he'll take a 0.5% commission. Well, you, okay, very firmly end a season because we just went from. I don't even know how we got. Yeah. What were we I don't know how we got there. Vegas. Here we are. Anyhow, um, we'll see what Vegas does. I think that's going to be really interesting to see how that team handles this and whether or not they're in the conversation more so next year. 
you kind of have to be based on how you've you can't back out now they're going to continue to have to try to be all in let's get to something a little bit more substantial and structured here which is uh relevant to the detroit red wings today's prospect profile is none other than us ntdp centerman maybe even at the nhl level frank nazer someone who is likely going to be available in the red wings range where they're picking and a very popular uh, potential Red Wings pick among uh, fans, listeners, in terms of who likely is going to be called out by Steve Eisman. So what do we know about Frank Nazer? How does he project as a centerman? And where would you take him in the draft? All right. So getting into wish.com, Logan Cooley. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I know. I'm, I'm selling short. Frank Nazer is a great prospect. But uh, we it's, it's beneficial that we recently did a prospect profile on Logan Cooley because they're Profiles are very, very similar. It's just Logan Cooley happens to be better at a bunch of things than Nazer, but they're both undersized centers with a very, very high motor, a very high level of creativity, and a very high skill set. There's uh, not a lot to question about who Frank Nazer is as a player. You put the puck on a stick, he's going to try and make things happen. You take the puck off his stick, he's going to try and get it back. Um, gifted shooter, uh, gifted playmaker. Uh, good hands, great speed. Um, we'll play every area of the ice. And it is notable because, again, undersized center, but Logan Cooley and Frank Nazer have been the two top two centers at the USNTDP basically all year. Um, I forget who it was, but the NTDP had a couple injuries at the beginning of the year of guys who projected to be that second line center. And everybody assumed uh, Nazer would shift back to wing or shift over to wing when these guys came back. And when they came back, that didn't happen. Nazer was the second line center all year, great production. And again, had a phenomenal year. He can try to do too much at times, um, which, you know, I'd rather that than the inverse. Um, You can, you know, try to rein him in a little bit um, versus, you know, trying to get a guy to do anything, but yeah, no. um, In terms of where I take him, he's firmly in my top 10. Um, I've mentioned it before relative to where everybody should fall in the draft. He probably is my favorite pick for the Red Wings. If they're picking eight, nine, 10. Um, and, and yeah, he, he checks a lot of boxes as to what the Red Wings specifically need. I think your joke, your comparison to Logan Cooley is funny, but it, it bears a kind of like, um, attraction with overall rankings right like you look at the kind of centerman you want the red wings to draft in an ideal situation you obviously want a shane right you want a logan cooley that's pretty much ideal scenario maybe you're big on savoy and and that's great too if you think he can be a center at the nhl level but frank nazer would not at all be a bad concession especially when you look at who the red wings need at some point the center position needs to be answered. I understand you draft best player available, but maybe, maybe, and I know this is on repeat from every every other year, this is the draft where you make some concessions, you make some uh, uh, room for margin for error, for lack of a better term, up or down on your draft board to make sure that you get that centerman. And to me, Frank Nazer does fit that build. What you said, Brad, is right. I think he's skilled and I think he, his skating is fantastic. And as he continues to bulk up and get bigger his skating should get stronger as well he's undersized but he's driven and he 
he, he's not a perimeter player. If he was undersized and he was a perimeter player and that's where he got all of his production, I'd be concerned. I would say, I'm not sure this guy could play center at the NHL level, and I'm not sure his game could translate to the NHL level. Maybe he'd get bullied or maybe he'd just get boxed out and wouldn't be effective. He drives the middle of the ice. He finds a high percentage areas. He utilizes his vision and gets into space or, or dishes the puck out to space when he needs to. I think there's a lot to be said for what he can do in the offensive zone. Overdoes it at times, for sure. Um, but you know, easier to tame a lion or you'd rather have to tame a lion than paint stripes on a cat or whatever the hell it is. And that's not a perfect uh, analogy here, but still it's to me, he is someone who should be a centerman at the NHL level. I also have him firmly in my top 10 and he's kind of on my best of the rest list for the Red Wings. If they don't win that one of those top two positions, it seems like we say this about a lot of different guys, but we kind of just pinpoint the prospects that fit the Red Wings bill, but he does match the uh, the Detroit Red Wings Steve Eisman model. Skilled, you know, does everything on the ice that you want and has compete that stands out among his teammates, and that's, that's an Eisman player right there. Yeah, he has a very well-balanced game, I, I think, from <clears throat> watching him. Um, good skater, good finisher. He can pass the lights out too. Like he is probably, like you said, the best of the rest. And I've seen him on draft boards anywhere from fifth to fifteenth. So when the Red Wings inevitably dr- fall back two positions, um, he'll be right in their wheelhouse. So they'll get a good look at him because he's committed to the University of Michigan. Um, he looks like in a couple of years he'll be a really good. Uh, top six forward i was trying to figure out how the best to say maybe first line most likely second but he looks really good and i think the sky's really the limit for him so naturally we'll be upset when ottawa takes him at seven because that's how this works no but having a guy like nazer in this draft in terms of the actual draft specifically is important because if he falls uh, not even falls it's around where he's projected to go but if the red wings are picking eighth or ninth and he's there you take him and sure there's better players available that you would would have wanted but he's still great and you're getting someone at a direct position of need but the way the draft works is centers often get a premium so i wouldn't i'd say it's almost likely he'll get picked ahead of the red wings because we always see team reach for centers but then that creates another good scenario because that means maybe a simon nemich or a david Juracek or a matt savoy have fallen so because of his premium, it could either add value to the Red Wings pick because, you know, better players at lesser positions follow fall or he gets appropriately ranked and the Red Wings get a good player at a direct position of need. Am I being too cavalier by saying I think he translates to a center at the NHL level? Because I've been told that before. I don't I don't really see. I don't really see the concern other than the size, which I guess is very real. He 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 does need to bulk up. He needs to get stronger. He needs to get bigger, but apply to every prospect. If anybody says small centers can't succeed at the NHL level, like you just saw Braden Point went to Stanley Cups. I'm sorry. It can be done. It can be done. It's not it's not easy and it's harder for these guys, but it, it all comes down to development. Like if you're drafting this guy, you are telling him, hey, wherever you play next year, it's going to be at center. When we bring you up to Grand Rapids, you're going to play center in the prospect camp. You're going to play center. You train him to be a center. He's going to be a center. I think people overcomplicate that from time to time. If you think he has the tools and the ability to be a center, develop him to be a center. And if it goes horribly, all right, 
Now we're going to try and save him by moving him to the wing. And he does have the tools. The skating, like you talked about, and his compete, those are the two of the biggest tools right there that you need. You can teach a 5'9", 5'10", guy to win board battles. It's going to be harder for them, but it, you can do it. Like it's, it's about positioning and leverage and timing and pace. Again, if he gets in there on even terms in an even matchup with Victor Hedman, he's going to lose that puck. And that's fine if he's contributing in the other 98% of the ice. So the Red Wings draft options really, as of right now, at the time of recording, are first, second, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th. Let's say the Red Wings are drafting the best of that or the best of the rest. So they're drafting seventh. Frank Nazer is a very real option for you. If the board falls as my board would fall, he's probably my preferred option. Okay. Now, if a Savoy or a Nemich falls, then all this goes out the window and then you got to reevaluate. But yeah, he's about seven, eight on my list. So the other questions with, with Nazer is what's the true upside there? Um, I know we've had those conversations before. I don't think his upside is through the roof like it is with, you know, Wright or Cooley, but I think it's still, I don't think Evan is wrong, for example, to say that, you know, the opportunity is sky high. I think he could be a very good second line center in the NHL. Like, I, I think he could fit into that mold. A lot has to go right. The ultimate ceiling, obviously, is a funny thing to try to project for these players. It may be a silly thing to try to hope for, but upside's not really a concern for me. I, yeah. I could just be ultra hopeful that the Red Wings land a centerman, so I'm making a very good option, a, a better prospect than he's out to be, but I don't know. No, but it's, it is it is those conversations that generally tend to get overcomplicated, so you have to narrow down the parameters. What is Frank Nazer's ultimate upside, and what is he capable of based on his skill set? Braden Point. What, from a talent level, can Braden Point do that Frank Nazer can't do at the same age? Basically nothing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Braden Point's development path went perfectly. He has the hockey IQ for days. Like, things went perfectly for Braden Point. Is that the likely outcome for Nazer? No, of course not. But what's the likely, quote-unquote, ceiling that he's going to achieve? Yeah, it's probably going to be a pretty good second-line center. Um, Because of the physical limitations, you could see him turning into not much at all, third-line winger. Um, He's he's not the guy that's going to play on your fourth line and – you know, fill that that role that a traditional fourth liner does um, without getting into the debate about what a fourth liner should be. But either way, he's not that guy. So I would say anywhere from second line center to third line winger is reasonable. Um, I would bet on the second line center before I bet on the third line winger. But it's, it's all in the cards. It's drafting. It's rolling the dice. It's gambling. <laughs> so you better be prepared for every outcome. All right. Connor McDavid. Jonathan Huberto. I don't think that's uh, Nazar's projection. (laughs) Johnny Goudreau, Leon Dreisaitl, Austin Matthews, Kirill Kaprizov, Matthew Kachuk, Steven Stamkos. Eight players all already at 100 points. And I think Marner and JT Miller have an outside shot. JT Miller. JT Miller with 97 points. JT Miller with 97 points in uh, 78 games. Mitch Marner with 97 and 72 games. Can we put one thing to bed just as a quick tangent? McDavid gets knocked in the heart votes because he has dry sidle. You can't even fully convince me that dry sidle is better than Marner. So why doesn't Matthews get that same argument? Scoring goals is a sweet mustache. And scoring goals is Must. the hardest thing to do. Yeah, and exactly. Connor McDavid is doing it with equipment that's like eight years old. So <laughs> I you, don't get it. You would know that. 
No, it's anybody who's like the gear idiots like me, like Connor McDavid is does not change anything no matter how like the stick he's using is like eight years old and his skates are he's like, like martin st louis when he still had the yellow synergy yeah, exactly exactly man the silver synergy with the red blade the one piece favorite stick ever yeah mcdavid has a 122 point season a career high for him and any oilers fan will tell you he's actually been kind of off this year well guess he should have scored 60 goals he's got 44 it's not bad yeah, you know who else has 40 goals? Who was it before the episode that I said? <laughs> you know, <don't> he- <laughs> <laughs> You're a mess. Uh, Robertson. Yeah, Jason Robertson. Yeah. He's, uh, there's a lot of like really surprising. Kyle Connor's got year. 45. Yeah, Connor's got 45. Tage Thompson. Chris Kreider's over 50. Kreider's got 52. Um, Elias Lindholm has 41. Oh, yeah. Chuck hitting 40, uh, the, 100 points. The entire top line for the Flames. Matt Duchesne has 42 goals, 42 assists. If anybody wants to ask who's the most underrated player in the league right now, there's your answer because nobody's talking about him. What a weird storyline. <laughs> Anyhow, I just want to talk about that with scoring or like w- with all of these point totals. Like, There's so many good storylines. I think Steven Stamkos, the line here is the rumors of his demise were greatly over-exaggerated like for him to be the highest point getter on a tampa bay team that is still very much a cup contender is fantastic good for him matthew kachuk is probably one of the best unspoken players in the nhl oh he speaks a lot (laughs) sorry unspoken of players and he's getting some coverage but and i'm not saying he should be like a heart favorite but the guy has 100 points i mean he's like the second or third best player on his own line johnny goudreau with 113 and he might not re-sign in Calgary. Like, this is going to be – first, that's a, a colossal storyline that I think is going to blow up as well. Or unless Calgary finds a way to keep him. Calgary wins the cup. Stay. They don't care. And I I have a hard time picking against them right now. I really unless like the way – they're up against Colorado. Uh, they might have to be at some point. That should be the conference final. And what a series that would be. Connor McDavid's got 122 points. And then all of this isn't even looking at the numbers that Igor Shesterkin's putting up in a historically high scoring season. These numbers, we were talking to, uh, we were talking in the group chat about this. These numbers date, like compare really well going back a decade plus. And scoring was lower back then. It was easier for goalies to make saves. Doesn't he have better numbers now than Carey Price did when he won the heart in 2015? Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. Shane and Goldman uh, wrote a really great article on what Shisterkin's doing in a Vezina context, but she did mention uh, at the end, like, and this is on the athletic, she mentioned at the end, like he should be bringing home at least one trophy. And I think that at least is a very good point. He'll be the best player in the league, but not the best goalie. <laughs> You're still beat up about that. eh? <laughs> Stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> okay. Uh, you were a, an Austin Matthews over Connor McDavid guy for the heart. Yes. How are you with Shisterkin in the mix? Are you still at Matthews? <sighs> How many of those 100-point guys are in his division? Oh, uh, I, I left the page. Not play. not to say that that's the, the line in the sand saying, you know, there's one or two guys in his, his division. That's why he's playing so well. Like, that's not what I'm trying to say. But I think with scoring up, it works for for him, obviously. And also against them because scoring's up because other guys are having, well, 
one guy's having a 60 goal season and 10 guys are having a hundred point plus seasons, career years. So it's, I don't know if it's a wash. I don't know really where I fall on that, but he should be, he should get some, he should get a nod for sure. My, for me, it's the 60 goal narrative is hard to break, right? Like, how do you vote against someone who puts up 60 well, goals? Well, the last time, Steven Stamkos. Yeah, they did. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, Steven Stamkos didn't win it. Um, so, yeah, how can you? Very easily, apparently. <laughs> yeah. and, Mal- and, and that wasn't even a close vote. Well, Steven Stamkos shouldn't have played in Florida. This is fantastic. I, people are going to be passionate. Like, there is a very good argument that I did not give enough credit to for Shesterkin. Brad, you're not wrong that McDavid is getting lebron right now. He's got 122 points and people are overlooking it because they expected McDavid. And I still think, like, scoring in the NHL, aside from the fact that we just talked about how how much higher it is this year, it's the hardest thing to do. And Matthews put up 60. And then you have Huberto with his insane assist rate. Then you have all of these other guys putting up 100 points. You have Sidney Crosby playing... Still phenomenal hockey at this point in his career to the point where he's still one of the best players in the world. You have to give him that credit. This is great from a neutral fan who has no <laughs> no horse in this race. And then there's the Red Wings. They're going to have nobody break 70. That's fine, man. We're okay. So I prefer 69 rather than 70. Yep. Uh, that is a win. Yeah. Uh, a rare win in a troubling season. It's great. I think the Hart Trophy voting is going to be really exciting to see. And you almost never get that spectacle at the awards time. It's, it's almost a little bit uh, assumed and decided. I think it's going to be really interesting to see. So who do you think wins? Out. I think it's going to be Matthews. I think it's, I, again, from a voting perspective, and I don't even blame the voters for this, it's hard to vote against a guy for 60 goals. If Shesterkin, it sounds stupid to say, goalies have a harder. Just give me your one, two, three then. My one, two, three? Sure. I haven't even thought past one, so. <laughs> Matthews, Shisterkin, um, McDavid. Okay, Brad, you can go. Are we going by the actual definition of the warden most viable? No, yeah, no, no. Just, it just, matters. How would you vote? How would you vote? Yeah, I'd go by the awards definition. Ah, and it's, boo. <laughs> it's Shisterkin, Matthews, McDavid. Oh, you have McDavid third. I do. Uh, yeah, Matthews yeah. is having an unreal year. Don't get me wrong. They're neck and neck. Yeah. Like, but yeah, McDavid and Matthews should not be as separate as they're in the general discourse of the public. Yeah, I'd probably go Matthews, McDavid. I think I would give Shersterkin that tip of the cap with my third place vote. The Rangers might not be a playoff team without him. Like, if we're talking most viable to his team, the Leafs won a lot of the games that Matthews missed. The Rangers without Shesterkin this year, they're not guaranteed to get into the playoffs. Instead, they only yesterday were no longer longer. It was no longer possible to win the Metro. Like, <laughs> come on. The yeah the uh, the Rangers at points were playing hockey where you're like, I saw people saying like I'm concerned to come playoff time because what's going to happen if they're playing this kind of hockey and Shesterkin was just dragging them. They did come to form. Well, in the playoffs, they're still going to have Shesterkin, so it shouldn't be that big of an issue. <laughs> I will say, I, I think the Leafs did struggle out the gate for their first like seven or eight games. I think they were really bad at the start of the year. Yeah. Win, loss, win. OT loss, 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 loss. OT win, win, win. 
OT win, win, loss. Okay, yeah. So that winning around. streak, that, which one of that was Detroit that set that in motion? Uh, that I, was the second one. They won an OT against Chicago, and then they won 5-4 against a, Detroit. There was a spurt uh, this team the, uh, this year where the Leafs were almost one of the worst teams in the league, and there was like a month and a half where they were the best team in the league. Well, that spurt where they were really bad was because their goaltenders were putting up a uh, safe percentage in the low 800s. That's the Leafs experience for you. Yeah. But then again, you get into this whole philosophical debate with Shesterkin as well. If you're going by most viable to his team, it should be a goalie every year. Like there shouldn't be a debate for anybody else. This guy is sad. No, but it's it's true because it plays into the voters. Okay, if Brad's- we Okay, hold on. No, shut up. Brad's that no, I'm not doing this. No, you guys no. have made me talk about fing awards in ten times the amount of episodes as we do in a normal year. We're getting into that rabbit hole because I'm not repeating the same shit for ten episodes in a row. Yeah, go. That's that meme where you know there's the couples dancing at the party, and then there's a guy in the corner. <laughs> Rod's like, "Well, uh, he doesn't even know my definition he, of the heart trope." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. We have had to do a painful amount of trophy talk this year. Ugh. Go off Brad. more than I've ever seen in my life. So you got to get into the nuances, and this is I'm explaining why Shesterkin won't win, despite the fact that he probably should win. Uh, you're not wrong <laughs> you're <a> dweeb <laughs> great job everybody <laughs> we did it great folks <laughs> oh god uh, <laughs> this is because of the waistline comments that you made earlier I hope you know that <laughs> I'm gonna be a dick about it next time <laughs> alright folks for your sake and, and maybe for Brad's we're gonna jump into overtime here Overtime in this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is first and foremost brought to you by our Patreon supporters, uh, who are the reason we're able to get together and do whatever this episode is. Yeah. Uh, twice a week. Thank you all so much. Um, I promise we'll use some of the contributions for Brad's eventual hypertension uh, uh, medication and uh, Evan's ongoing allergy medication. I just rubbed my eye and something's happening. <laughs> oh, it's, it's red. It's, it's about to get God. twice as big. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Oh, good times. I used to actually keep the bottle of, uh, allergy pills in here just for you. Every time I touch my face, (laughs) stop doing it. All right. We're going to jump into overtime questions, starting with our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast. If you want to support the show and quite a few people, uh, Connor Howie says, when will the heart trophy return to Detroit? Oh God. Depends on how good you think Shane Wright and Logan Cooley might be. <laughs> Heart Trophy most likely candidates right now who are on Detroit. Raymond Insider, obviously. Outside shot Dylan Larkin if they go on an insane tear. You, I would say 50-50 that the eventual next Heart Trophy winner is on this team or not. If Sider's probably the best odds right now. Um, man, beyond him though, there's not a lot of good candidates. Like f- even for Lucas Raymond, for a winger to win it, you have to have like 50 goals, 110 points. And I don't know if he's got that in him. Look at what Shesterkin's doing this year. Maybe Kosa, maybe. Can you guys guess who the last defenseman was to win the heart? Last defenseman? Yeah. Because uh, you were talking about cider, Chris Pronger. Shut up, Brad. I was gonna say it, it. wasn't that long ago. Yeah, man. it, it was, was like twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't 2000. that two thousand. 
That's wasn't long. it 2000? Yeah, that's long. Oh man, it's when Patrick Waugh was still. I just remember because Patrick Waugh was. Uh... No, he wasn't the last goalie to win it. What am I saying? No, Carey Price, Carey Price was, and it was yeah. Dominic Hasek before him. Yeah, yeah. What year? No, Theodore and then Hasek. That's who I was thinking of. Theodore. Theodore. Theodore won one year. It was or 2002. Was... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. The year again, look got rubbed. Hasek won it twice in a row. Both 97 years, and 98. Both years the Wings won the cup. That is that is insane. He's the fact insane. that we are like, ah, oh, Shesterk and yeah, maybe Dominic Hasek won it twice in a row. While while Patrick Waugh and Martin Broder were in their primes. I don't I still don't understand how there's debate around who's the GOAT. It, it, it's Hasek, and it, there's no debate for it. He yeah. went up head to head against them and crushed them. Um Mr. Claudicus says uh hello dub dubber and dubby so the wings aren't going to win five of the last nine games but it made the last little bit of the season fun to watch at least for me that being said what area do you think the wings need to improve on examples (laughs) zone entry covering the slot power play etc yep yep if you're bottom 10 in the league there's probably a lot of reasons Okay, well, here's the cold hard truth of it. Of the fundamental aspects of the game, as you were talking about, what are the Red Wings good at? What are they above league average at? Goal Power play? Ten. No. Goal Penalty ten. kill? No. Goaltending? Goal this year? No. Team wide? Breakouts? Nothing. Nope. Defensive zone? Nope. Offensive zone? Nope. Zone entries? Nope. Well, that's why they're a bottom 10 team yeah. in the league. <laughs> so the the shitty answer is everything. If I had to narrow it down... Everything about their defensive zone is a damn train wreck. The coverage, the system, the breakout. Um, Leah Hextall's favorite hockey player, Mason Raymond, says, I always hear the Dub Dub crew say Rasmussen can't be a third-line winger on a cup contender. Really quick, I wanted to point out that most of the season he was line mates with Ernie and Nemesnikov or Sunquist. Isn't it possible that he just needed line mates who were half-decent at passing? The last quarter of the quarter of the season, he spent a lot of time with Larkin and Raymond and has looked better. When he's played with better passers, he seems to stack points. Uh yeah, I'd probably put up 20 points with Larkin and Raymond. I think you'd put up four. Yeah. I, I think you'd put up a solid four, honestly. Yeah, that's probably actually legitimately sounds right. And like three of them are like just going off my skating in. <laughs> um in, in all seriousness, though, here's the thing: both can be true. Rasmussen can do substantially better higher in the lineup. But when we say things like that, it's less about Rasmussen and more about the composition of true cup competitive teams. Look at what the Tampa Bay Lightning are composed of. Look at what the Colorado Avalanche are composed of. What the Florida Panthers have 100-point players in their second line, like, I think. It sounds dumb to say, does Michael Rasmussen crack the Florida Panthers lineup right now? It's like, just a it's different... Like, Because like, we have to keep in mind, and this happens... With Michael Rasmussen specifically a lot, where it just goes from one extreme to the other. We are happy with Michael Rasmussen, not because we think he's a top six winger. He's not. He's definitive. Let me be clear. He's definitively not a top six player right now. Okay. But at the beginning of the year, we didn't think he was an NHL player. And he has improved so much to the point that we think he's a good third liner. Here's That is a victory. Don't start projecting him to be something he's not because then you're just going to be disappointed next year and go back to the other extreme. Here's the uh, Florida Panthers lineup according to Daily Faceoff. I'll skip the first two lines because we don't need to have yeah. it. I'm almost 
certain we should be skipping the third line, but for the sake of benchmarking, their third line is Nolachari, Anton Liddell, and Sam Reinhardt. Yeah, no. Okay, yeah, yeah, Rasmus. Their fourth line is a, a hilarious. Joe Thornton, Patrick Hornquist, and some guy I've never even heard of, Etu Lusterinen. Lusterinen, who's actually not terrible. Like, yeah, Michael Rasmussen is probably a healthy scratch game one on the playoffs in that team. Like, just for context to prove the point of what Ryan was trying to make. And, you know, Rasmussen, who progresses playing with better players around him, then, yeah, maybe at that point you're going to say, look, Rasmussen is playing on the fourth line, sometimes the third, but there has to be progression there. But as is right now, no, it's just not – it's a, not a knock on Rasmussen. It's a different sphere. It's almost a different sport right now that these guys are playing. He's also like 22, 23 years old. There's still room to improve. Like, He's young. Yeah. I'm not saying this is exactly who ha- he is going to be for the rest of his career. But yeah, no, like, please let's stop talking about Rasmussen in the extremes. He went from a fringe NHLer on a bad team to a good third liner on a bad team. And that is a win. Um. Akefer says, who will be this year's Mitch Marner in the playoffs? Who will be playing like a superstar and who will be compla- uh, playing like a superstar compared to himself during the regular season? Who's going to be this year's Mitch Marner? Yeah. Mitch Marner. <laughs> 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 Going up against Tampa's defense? Come on. I Maybe I'm just being an asshole here and I'm just thinking Toronto. but And I don't necessarily think it's going to be Marner level, but the pressure's on Austin Matthews, right? Yeah, that's fair. If you're going to beat Tampa Bay, you need to keep scoring like you're a 60-goal scorer. So this would probably be a player on a team that's expected to do good, but a team that historically has not had a ton of playoff success. So that really limits the options. I'm just trying to run through. There's probably a couple good candidates on Florida. Johnny Goudreau. Johnny Goudreau yeah, that's is a, a good candidate. Is a good answer. He's been covered recently. He's, he's had almost Marner syndrome. So I think – yeah. In terms of guys who will turn into superstars, I think he already is one, but I think Matthew Kinchuk can do a lot of damage to the kind of hockey he plays. Kaprizov, maybe? He kind of fits that mold of a Mitch Marner. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, again, I don't think and all these guys are going to go off the face of the earth, but you're not wrong. Someone always does. Uh, Vegas and Minnesota are heading straight. This is from Rye19. says, Vegas and Minnesota are heading straight for Cap Hell this summer. If you're Eiserman, is there anyone on either team you're – going to gun for in hopes of getting a steal or anyone you'd be willing to give up picks or futures for. You know who's actually a half-decent offer sheet candidate? Kevin Fiala. Yeah. 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 He's he's really good. He's been – he he always has been, but he, I think he's – yeah, he's above a point per game this year. He's got 84 points in 80 games. Yeah. And Minnesota is in a tight, tight, yeah, tight they, spot. Like, even if they want the picks, there's – like, don't want the picks. They might not have the actual cap room to match. Now – the salary cap's fake and everything can be done and teams can, you know, always make something happen. But yeah, they're they're probably a better team to target than Vegas because Vegas's guys you'd want to target are either under contract for bad contracts or old. So yeah, Fiala's a guy I look at. Um, I-99 says, I'm seeing a couple, a lot of hypothetical 22, 23, 23 Red Wings rosters on Twitter and Reddit. And I'm noticing a lot of people have guys... I have like zero guys above the age of 30 in theirs. Surely that won't happen. I get wanting to give young players a chance, but even if Stevie Y chooses the be bad for another year route, surely you need at least one or two older guys in the room. You're correct in that it won't happen. And I'll go even a step further here by pointing out, and this should be obvious, it shouldn't happen. Look at teams who rely solely on young players. They can and do get caved. There is something about... 
and it I think it's more just it's not articulated well enough rather than it's you know intangibles um the linguists and the English majors listening to that are probably shrieking right now in their cars um there's something about winning culture there's something about having been there and there's something about knowing the kind of game you need to play at different points in the year and the stability in the locker room like the chemistry you have with those guys a lot of that comes from maturity and a lot of that comes from experience and you put a bunch of 20 somethings in there something's going to blow up in the wrong way at everybody's some point. pooping their pants too much of that theme recently especially with the whole amber heard johnny depp trial <laughs> poop is in right now it's you gotta what the hell kind of turn did we just take yeah well welcome to evan <laughs> Welcome to allergy season, Evan. Yeah. Which I've learned is most of the year. Almost worse than the winter. It's fake. Anyways, you need you need that kind of stability. It doesn't mean you signed an old guy who's a bum. Objection here, sir. <laughs> so you are following. Yeah. I yeah. I have TikTok, man. It's everywhere. <laughs> you don't just sign guys who are bums, but you also can't write off what the older guys can do, even if it's not directly apparent in terms of goals and assists on the ice. Will I sing a different tune when the Red Wings are cup competitors? Yeah, of course I will. But That's why I like Joe Thornton on Florida. Like They just stick him on the fourth line. He just wants to be with the boys, and like he's a legend. He may not, not a winner, won- though. He hasn't won cups, but like everybody loves that guy. He just cruises around Florida with his tarps off and his massive beard. He's just one of the boys. He just Sorry. wants to be one of the boys. If you're, if Toronto has any modicum of success this year, makes the cup finals or even, you know, let's just win around wins the cup. Mark Giordano is going to get a ton of credit. Is a guy who's been around for a long time. Austin Matthews, 25 goals in 23 playoff games. Mark Giordano though. I can see it now. Con Smythe winner. Hell yeah. Um, okay. The next question here may be our last question. Um, ben Barron says, what's up, cheese bags? Let's just not discuss what happened last night in Minnesota for the Tigers. Oh, you guys saw that? Yeah, I, like, I'm pretty confident you can make that throw underhanded. I just, I'm really tired, man. <laughs> uh, real question, has Bert been in a hotel room in New Jersey for the last five or so days since he can't go to Toronto, or do we think he went back to, D- to Detroit? Can't think of a worse fate than staying in New Jersey for more than two days. Keep up the great work and let us pray the lottery balls fall in our favor. He obviously went back to Detroit, but I'm going to choose to think that he's in a hotel room in Jersey because that's funnier. Just hanging out in Jersey. Yeah, maybe. He's in Atlanta. He's <laughs> he's six drinks, drinks deep in Atlantic City right now. All right. We have time for some Reddit question. Uh, Antinomi, I hope I said that right, says, any thoughts on what Zadina's next contract might look like? feels difficult to evaluate him after his performance this season. It will be a one or a two year for not a lot of money. It, you're going to see a Rasmussen type deal here. Whether or not. I don't have, even think he's getting that much term. How much term did Rasmussen get? It was three, three years. years. Yeah. You're going to see some interesting takes based on overall ceiling. But even as someone who believes in Zadina's overall ceiling, he hasn't done enough. They're going to want, I think they're going to want some term to make it friendly. Cause I think he still has trade value in the event that he doesn't work out in Detroit. But Zadina's not going to be able to walk into that room and command a lot of dollars. He's still young. You know, you don't want to walk him. If I'm Zadina, I'm asking for a bit bridge contract. I'd be like, I know I'm better than what I produced this year. I don't want to get paid now. I want to get paid in a year or two. Zadina takes an eight year. It'll be for like $2 million a year. The like Cali Yarncroc special. Yeah. Dude, honestly, if he asked for that, I'd give it to him. Because we know he's at least a usable third liner and that's $2 million is fine for that. Yeah, he's uh, Zadina. I, I would expect two to three years. 
Michael Raskin is making 1.5, maximum $2 million a year. I, would, uh, I don't want to say maximum. My prediction is um, two years, 2.25. I don't think we're going to see a big departure from that. It hasn't exactly been kicking down the door. Puzzlehead maybe says, with an answer without thinking, next coach, uh, Lane Lambert. Paul Maurice. Uh, Paul Maurice was the first one that came to my brain. Keep one, Stall or Gagne? Stall. 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 You can't say stall with that shirt on. Or not say stall with that shirt on. <laughs> yeah, I forgot I was wearing this. Moe's next contract AAV. I'll oh. 9.25. I think he takes a Motown discount 8.5. It'll be, I'll split the difference in there. I think I came in low, actually. He's better than Darnell Nurse and all those other guys. Uh, you can't. Have. You can't. That's that's the end. He's already better than him, and he's got two years before this contract expired. Bertuzzi traded this offseason. No. Yes. No. I almost said yes for what it's I worth. Think, I think yes. We'll get into it in the offseason, but yeah. Olives on pizza. Smash the yes. 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 Oh, thank I God. Wait. Black olives? Doesn't matter. I'm okay. fine either way. I'm either. fine either way, but I'm yeah. a bigger fan of black olives. You know what I've been really into recently? I'm scared to ask. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not trolling Brad here. Uh, pepperoni, black olives, and onion. Mm. You, ha- got, you had me till the onion. Yeah. I got black olives on a pizza once and got insult. Someone insulted me. About they it. insulted you? Yeah, I can't remember who it was. One person was Catherine for sure. I can't remember who the other person was. Olives is an elite pizza topping. Like, that's, that's like one what of my I go to. Salty and delicious. Yeah, yes, great. Someone said Someone to me, "Clip that, please." <laughs> I said, "I've said way worse than that." <laughs> Someone once, an olive hater, once said to me, "They taste like literally like garbage." And I looked at them and I said, "I can't tell you you're wrong, but I still love them." Do you like any sort of like? cured salted meat then all olives is like yeah. the transition into vegetables for those of you who have not listened to an off season especially our Here's patreon exclusive <laughs> there's a lot of food there's a lot of food related content at one <laughs> early i can't believe this show ever made it out of the basement <laughs> i can't believe this show ever made it because at one point evan ate a full pineapple <laughs> that really goes back oh, yeah. <laughs> like on an episode. I don't even remember why I did that. I can't believe it didn't burn a literal hole through the roof of your mouth. We don't know if it didn't. Yeah, that's true. What? You why were, did I you do were, that? Do you, de- you were like comatose by the end of it. Do you remember why I did that? It was, it, was, it was one of those like, if this happens, I'll eat an entire pineapple and it happened. And then people spent like a year and a half calling you out on it. And it's probably very inconsequential it in was, the grand scheme of things. It was like if Alexi Marchenko gets waved or something it was something stupid probably that's right on brand ah uh, i can't believe it. Uh, sorry i shouldn't say i can't believe this show made it i can't believe us three literally survived yeah. as human beings <laughs> yeah we haven't killed each other yeah well when you look at the context of how long like let's not forget mika wasn't even a thought in anybody's head when this podcast started she turned six in less than a month i, I that's f- that is messed up i yeah. i resent the mika time scale because a it makes me f- face the fact that she's getting older which i hate i specifically ask her to stop all the time <laughs> and b i often forget because brad doesn't age have you noticed that yes vampire <laughs> god 
you and your fucking waistline. Take the pants and go. We're going to wrap up this episode <laughs> of the Wing Wheel Podcast. We're all over the place. It's the end of the year. If you hate it, welcome. <laughs> Comment on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, today's the perfect day for you to be making those jokes because if it makes you feel a little better, I had a Dave's Double and Two Donuts today. So, you know, we're going to catch up soon enough. There we go. I'm going the other direction. That was a time thing more than anything else, but like it happened. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to be the cars passing each other on the road. (laughs) We'd like to thank all of our listeners of the show. Full off-season mode now. Yeah. The sponsors of the podcast, the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, Everyone who supports the show, whether or not you're a patron, it means a lot, especially when you leave us ratings, wherever you get your podcasts. And speaking of Patreon, Patreons, Patreon, our Patreon supporters, our name-level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, the Stay Fresh Cheese Bag, um, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver of the number 69, Ryan Hannes Banana Slamma Jamathong, Matthew M. Rice, Billy Howell, Brandon M., Breaking Into Bank for a Hot Pocket, Brian Johnson, Carl Brutana Nanoluski, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, Coyotes Season Tickets in Tempe, Craig Kibble, Daniel Garcia, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Hana Lee, Hassam Al-Qasem, I'd Leave My Wife for Cider, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Marcus, Matt McKay, Nicholas Fritz, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Stay Fresh Greech Bags, the master and champion of the Winged Wheel Podcast, the freshest of cheese bags, the legend himself, Joseph F. and Fournier, Zach Spring, Sam Bankson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Adam, now I finish better than Ernie. Antonio Gracias, Babe Landeskog, Ben Barron, Cheesebags, Stay Fresh, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Evans Parking Garage, Evans Bingo Card, James Laporte, Jeremiah Dobo, Jeremy Brocker, JM Rhapsody, who's a new name level sponsor. Welcome. And thank you for supporting the Dub Dub Club. Josh Yelton, just trying to vibe, man. Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Missing Vladdy More Than Ever, Papa Woody, Revy DeLuca, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Trevor Pevavar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. See you all later on, uh, oh, wow. Whatever. After the season is over, we'll see you on Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.